Alrighty, welcome back to the Wheel Take Sailing Podcast. This is Nick, your host, with Andy, his brother. And as always, we're here to bring you some topics. This is episode 13, and today we're going to be doing um, NHL uh, season preview, basically. What we're going to do is go through each division. We're going to do one through seven or one through eight, however many teams are in that division. Say who's going to be, you know, one through last in that division. Um, and then we might even bring up some prospects uh, that some teams might need to want to call up in order to help them uh, do better or just see how they do and see how they develop, see where they're at. Um, we are back to the normal division, so it's no longer gonna, we're no longer going to have a Canadian division. We're no longer going to have, you know, that oddly, what seemed to be a better formatted central division. If you looked at, you know, the U.S. Uh, geographically, the central division actually was a central division. Uh, comparatively to what it is now, but we are back to the standard Atlantic, Central, uh, Metro, and Pacific divisions. So to start it off, we'll go into the Atlantic division where you have the Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabres, Detroit Red Wings, Florida Panthers, Montreal Canadiens, Ottawa Senators, Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, One through, what would that be, seven or eight? Yeah, one through eight. Uh, I, I think Tampa finishes first in this division. I don't I don't see any other team beating them out in first in an 82-game series. Um, they're a solid team still, even after losing a couple of guys like Johnson and, and Goudreau. They're, they're still just a very good team. Uh, so I think they're in the top. Uh, I'll go I'll, – I'll, I'll skip down to the bottom. I think Buffalo is going to finish last. In fact, I don't think I know they're going to finish last. Uh, so I think Tampa will be first in this division. Boston, or Buffalo will be last. Um, and then in between, it kind of gets a little hard. I'm going to be a little bold. I'm going to say Tampa first, Florida second, Boston three. I'll say Toronto four. Oh, man. Okay, we almost had the exact same <laughs> top okay. four. Okay. All right. I, let me, let you, me, yeah. Who do you say Montreal. for four? I said Toronto four. I think they'll squeak in there. Okay. I was going to say no Canadian teams from this division. I think, I think Detroit is going to sneak in on that fourth spot. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And then to finish it out, what I was going to say was just fifth in the division would be Montreal, six would be Detroit, seven Ottawa, and then Buffalo last. But gotcha. I like that Detroit pick. I mean, we mentioned it on our on our previous podcast when we discussed Detroit. Uh, we like the additions they made. Um, right. Steve Eiserman is a very good GM. I think he's doing a spectacular job in Detroit. And I can't wait to see what this team looks like, you know, two or three years down the road. Uh, I think right now it's just a little too early to say that they'll be fourth in the division. But you never know, man. Sometimes there's just a a dark horse in East division that nobody expects. Right. And it could be Detroit for sure. Right. No. And I totally agree. And my main thing for them is, is picking up Mrazek. I think picking up Mrazek is going to give them that. Or, oh yes. Thank you. Yeah. Nadelkovich. I think picking up Nadelkovich is, is going to send them over the edge. I think that's going to give them, um, just that little bit of jump at the end of the season when it's coming down to the wire and you know, you're, they're going to be, a te- I think they are going to be a team that's floating on the line of playoffs for the majority of the season. 
Um, and you know, as that home stretch comes up, as that approaches, that's where that's where it's make or break for those kind of teams. Those are must-win games, and hopefully, Nadelkovic is a new face as well as um, you know everybody else that they've brought in. I think they could really culminate this season. I really hope they do. To be honest, man, I mean, for for the vast majority of my life, I hadn't seen a single playoff without them. So. I'd like to get back to that, you know. Yeah, and what was that streak? Was that like 26 consecutive years? 28 or 26, I want to say. Yeah. If you, I'm almost look- certain it was. It was at the time. It was my entire lifetime. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> Isn't that? Yeah. I'll, I'll mention. Um, what I was going to say is I don't think this is no longer a division where teams like Boston, teams like Tampa Bay, and teams like Florida are going to beat up on the bottom three, like Detroit, Buffalo, or, or Ottawa. I feel like Ottawa and Detroit have improved enough to yep. to definitely, you know, if you're going to play them, they, you got to earn your wins against them. They're not just going to That's be a good point. throwaway games. Um, and Buffalo, you know, they're, they're definitely going to be a team that um, you're going to be easily – able to win but i mean you never know buffalo could surprise some people sometimes they can but just with how they've, they've at least at the managed. beginning of the season exactly and and with the whole eichel debacle it's not even set in stone that eichel's going to stick around for very long so if that's a team that loses eichel um and they've already lost their starting goaltender and Olmark to the bruins and free agency that's that could be a just nightmare so I think that's really going to be the only team in that division that your wins are going to be, you know, pretty easy to get. Mm-hmm. Detroit and Ottawa, I wouldn't say, are, are easy wins anymore. That you're you're going to have to earn your wins against them now. Yeah, that that Detroit, Ottawa, Montreal, and maybe Toronto. I mean, honestly, I'll finish it off. I think it's going to go Tampa, Boston, or Tampa, Florida, Boston, Detroit. Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Buffalo. I honestly think that Toronto might have like a quasi collapse this year. I'm being pretty bold with this division. I know, <laughs> I know, no, I am, it's but, bold. I but I also think that Detroit, Montreal, and Ottawa. Um, and uh, Ottawa. I think those three teams honestly could go either way in that fourth slot too. So even though that's like a definitive ranking of them. Those three teams, I mean, you could interchange any one of those uh, in my rankings, I think. Right. But I do think Toronto is going to fall on their face oh, this year. Okay. Yeah. All right. That, I, I will say with that goaltending tandem of Barazic and Campbell, uh, you definitely have issues with um, injuries. Campbell has been injury prone and so has Morazic. Uh So you never know if, if those guys don't stay healthy and they go down. Uh, I think it would be Hutchinson that that would step up, and Hutchinson has I mean, he improved in the bubble with Colorado, but that wasn't Toronto. So it's a bold statement to say Toronto slips all the way down to seventh, but it, it could happen. I mean, like I said, it, anything can happen. So yeah, eighty-two games to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a team that has trouble. I mean, it, it's a team that can. Out. It's a team that one night can dominate the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. The next night, they just 
they can't seem to get it together against Buffalo and yeah. they lose to Buffalo. That's yeah. a very good point. Their inconsistency is sometimes yeah. their biggest their biggest uh, enemy. Yeah. Uh, the most improved team, I think, in this division is probably Florida. I thought that they've added a lot uh, during the offseason to improve. Uh, as much as I did like Detroit, I just think that Florida's gotten a little more solid and you know, they already had more of a foundation than Detroit did. So uh, I would say that Florida is the most improved in this division. And I'm hoping you, we see the results this season because Florida has been a team. Uh, I think I've mentioned this on, on a previous podcast, but for as hard as we hit on Toronto, uh, Florida hasn't won a series since 1996, if I'm not mistaken, when they made the cup in their first season. So you know, there's trouble ahead in Florida, especially if they can't get it done this season. Yeah, the only difference there is the bankroll. I think that's why we tend to pick a little bit more on Toronto. Um, I like your point there. I do think Florida is the most, uh, what did you say, improved? Most improved, yeah. Only because I think Detroit is the most established. I think that they've, when you mentioned the foundation, I think Detroit has established that. I think Florida had it and approved upon it, yeah. making them more improved. Okay, I like that distinction there. Yeah, too. so that that was going to be my point. If, but I think you explained it even better than I did. That that I think did well to explain it. And then obviously the the a team that has taken a step back is you know Buffalo, but that's an easy pick. Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, honestly, further what's going to be hole. funny? <laughs> what's going to be funny about this team is. For as bad as their season was last season, you're about to see an even worse season in a full 82 game series. I mean, keep in mind, last season was what, 54, 56 games? 50. Yeah. You know, th- this is going to be an 82 game s- season, and Buffalo does not have the stamina, does not have the the foundation, the core to to last an 82 games. So again, they don't have the mentality. They don't have yeah. anything. Morale is very low. I mean, gosh, they got nothing. I don't even know who our starter is going to be. We lost Hutton and we lost Olmark. So Olmark, yeah. I don't even know who we're starting in that. It could be David Ayers. You never know. <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad, I mean, track record-wise, that wouldn't be a bad starter. Right, right. Um, I will go through uh, a couple of prospects. Okay. Um, and what I will, and I'm actually going to hint on uh, Detroit here. So, uh, I want to bring up some prospects of some teams that I think if the if you call up some of these prospects, you could definitely see some improvements in the team as well as just call these guys up, see where they're at in their development. You know, you don't have to play them the full 82 games, but maybe throw, uh, I think, nine games. Because uh, if you go 10 games, technically the NHL counts 10 games as a rookie season. Uh, and therefore, their entry-level contract would end, if I'm not mistaken. So that's why... Uh, whenever you see teams draft a player that's really high ranked in a draft, but they only play a couple games during the season, it's because of that. They don't want to essentially discard the entry-level contract. Uh, but anyway, I, I will say it's actually Detroit. Funny uh, that you mentioned how well you're you're highly Detroit. There's uh, two prospects. They're both forwards, if I'm not mistaken. Um, one of them is Moritz Sider, who came out of the... SHL uh, and his stats in the SHL. This was the 2020-2021 season, so it was just this season, the Swedish Hockey League. 
41 games, seven goals, 21 assists for 28 points uh, this season. And, you know, if they bring a guy up who, I mean, seven goals isn't a lot, especially in, in a foreign um, a foreign league. But like I said, just see where this guy's at in his development. You don't have to give him a lot of games. You don't have to give him the 82 games, but see where he's at. See if he can be a good presence on your team. And it can't hurt to bring to call that guy up. Um, he's actually a defenseman, too, so I was wrong about them being forwards. The next guy. I was guy, just going to say, those those stats, like, for a defenseman seem really nice and enticing. Yeah, and it's the Swedish Hockey League, too, so it's, they're actually both from the Swedish Hockey League, funny enough. The, uh, the next guy is Jonathan, or Jonathan Berggren, Berggren. Um, he was selected in the second round, 33rd overall in 2018. He's a winger, so he is a forward. And in the SHL, the Swedish Hockey League, he played 49 games, 12 goals, 33 assists, 45 points. Uh, and those also were from the 2020-2021 season. Um, so like I said, you, bring, you call these guys up, you see where they're at. They can help you out uh, wherever they can, you know, Detroit definitely needs, I think, a little more scoring. I think that that's where they can uh, be more improved is the scoring department. They've improved goaltending, and I think they've improved defense. Uh, but Cider and Bergen are, are my uh, prospects here to call up and just see where they're at for Detroit. Because um, I'd be interested to see how well this Detroit team is going to be, especially because in the next two or three years, these guys, uh, especially those prospects I mentioned, could be in their starting lineup. Uh, so that's what I'll, I'll uh, end at for the prospects there. Um, I do have a prospect from Boston. Funny enough, I got I needed help with this one because my friend Ryan. So shout out to him. These are his picks. Well, he actually picked one. I picked the other. Um, my pick was Jack Studnika. Um, to me, I, I think we mentioned it two podcasts ago that uh, Boston seems to not have a lack of confidence in Jack Studnika, but they definitely don't seem to be too strong on him, which is kind of uh, odd because his stats are pretty good. So I, I took two seasons for you just so you can get a better idea. I'll go over the 2020-2021 season. They only played 11 games, no goals, but seven assists. And I said, that's not really much to tell on him as far as where his development's at. So I went back another season to 2019-2020, where he played 60 games, 23 goals, 26 assists for 49 points. And these were both with the Providence Bruins AHL team. Um, Ryan updated me saying that Bruce Cassidy came out and said that uh, um, he could see Studnika, you know, improve and, and have a starting lineup so ryan felt pretty confident that he'd probably be the third line center uh if he were okay to line up, which is good to hear because previously it sounded like he wasn't even going to crack the fourth uh center slot so we're glad to hear that, that bruce cassidy's pretty high on him in the uh training camp right now and then the other guy these stats are just in, insane um his name is Mason Lorry. Uh, he's got 48 games played, 19 goals, 40 assists, 59 points. 
And if wow. you thought Sider's stats as a defenseman were impressive, dude, that's a defenseman stat right there. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Norris Trophy finalist, if you ask me. Yeah, that's Norris Trophy. It was in the USHL. Um, so, okay. obviously, the competition is just, it's the United States Hockey League. It's not, you know. Um, yeah, you're not going to be a point per game defenseman in the NHL again, guys. Right. Sorry to burst your bubble here. <laughs> right. But I looked at that guy and a couple of other their top prospects, and he blew me away with those stats. Um, and he's relatively young. I think he's he was 20 years old. Uh, let me just quickly check that. But I, I looked at that and I was thinking the whole time when I was writing it down, he's got to be a forward. That's awesome. Nope, he was a he was a um, he was a defenseman, so that was just incredible. That's awesome, and you know what? I hope they handle him properly because if you ask me, that's that's one area where Boston really needs to figure it out. I guess is how I'll phrase it. Correct. Yeah, uh, they they need to improve defensively in, in my in my opinion and I, I agree with that because they've definitely improved with goaltending with Olmark and their forward core has relatively stayed the same um which is still a really good forward core right Hall's coming back Hall's coming back yep yeah um, there's they added, uh, they added a couple of depth they got um no sick um what else did they add didn't they add somebody from the Flames? I forget, but relatively it stayed the same. And uh, to double check, Mason Lowry is, or Lowry is, is uh, 20 years old. So you probably won't wow. get, like I said, too many starts, but wouldn't be bad to call him up. Yeah, no, definitely not. Alrighty. Moving on, we'll now go to the Central Division. Uh, the Central Division... Is Chicago, Colorado, add it here. You listing it? Yeah, there we go. Oh, okay. Sorry. No. There we are. Okay. Yes, Central Arizona Coyotes, Chicago Blackhawks, Colorado Avalanche, Dallas Stars. Minnesota Wild, Nashville Predators, St. Louis Blues, and Winnipeg Jets. Um, so what do you got? Yeah. So uh, obviously I'll, I'll take Colorado number one. I'm going to take Winnipeg number two. <laughs> I'll take I'll take the Blues three. Wild number f- no. I'll, I'll take Wild three. And Wow, this is tough. I'll take Dallas four. So my time. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'll do, do Colorado. I'll do Colorado number one, Winnipeg number two, Minnesota Wild number three, and Dallas Stars number four as my top four. All right. I'm going to change mine because my top three were going to be the same again. So I'm going to jumble mine. I'm going to go Colorado. I'm going to jumble it still because I, I think it can go either way, this one. Okay. And I want to make a bold pick. You know me. All right, so I'm going to go with Colorado 1. I'm going to flop Minnesota into the 2. Okay. Put Winnipeg 3, and then I'm going to say St. Louis 4. Okay. I think Nashville just just barely misses the playoffs this year. Yeah. 
I was going to I was going to have Nashville number five, St. Louis number six, uh, Chicago number seven, and then Arizona number eight. That's how I would finish mine off. And, but I, I would agree with you. I think Nashville just just misses. Oh, man, I didn't even see the Chicago pick. I forgot to incorporate them. I mean, even though they picked up Flurry and they signed Seth Jones. Is Taves coming back? Taves, from what I heard, it sounded like he'd be ready for this season, but I don't know if that's going to be the start of this season. All right, so they'll have stuff to figure out at least. Yeah. They'll, yeah, they probably. I'm All right, I'm going to go Colorado, Minnesota, Winnipeg, St. Louis, Nashville, Chicago, Arizona, Dallas. Gotcha. Okay. That's what I'll say. Wow, you have Dallas last. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't even blame you. I really don't. I don't. They didn't. Did correct me if I'm wrong, but I just I don't really. Nothing's memorable from their free agency in my eyes. I don't really. Did they splash at all this off season thus far? I haven't really seen much. They got Ryan. They got Ryan Suter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think they had a notable off season. Yeah, and they had a pretty lackluster season last year i just i guess i just don't really see a whole lot in them since since that stanley cup fall (laughs) yeah i hear you they just haven't recovered from that and it's tough you know it's tough to come back from any kind of stanley cup run whether you're the winner or the loser it is difficult but you know as the loser it's probably a little extra harder as we can see yeah i'd agree um most improved in this division, I'll say, is Winnipeg. I'm high on the Winnipeg Jets, man. You I, are, yeah. Their their offseason wasn't too, um, it, it, like you like you said with Dallas, they didn't make a lot of splashes, but I, I did like their offseason. But they didn't need to either. Exactly. I mean, they have a solid team, and and I think my point was with Winnipeg when we talked about their offseason, Winnipeg didn't fall in the uh, category of teams or, or slash front offices that overreact to being swept out of the playoffs or not reaching their uh, not reaching their expectations. Full potential. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. Full potential expectations, exactly. And, and they didn't, you know, buy too much. They didn't sell too much. Uh, they've kept Dubois. They, they sold off... Um, Line to get Dubois. Dubois stuck around with them. Uh, Paul Stastny stuck around, who I think is a really good top two, even top three um, centerman. Um, it, it, I, I really liked what they did. Um, and a team that took a step back to me would probably be uh, Arizona in my eyes. I, I, I agree. I, I liked what they did. We, we talked about that they had a good offseason, but I mentioned that just in the sense that they've been acquiring a lot of picks from picking up contracts like Andrew Ladd, um, uh, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, uh, you know, and a couple of other contracts that were clearly cap dumps. They got paid handsomely for it, but, you know, not in the players that they received. It's the draft picks that they got. So Yeah, it's I like still preparing for the future kind of thing. Correct. They're sacking this there. season. Yeah, they did well in that category, but outside, I, I don't see how the team improved. 
they also um, traded away Darcy Kemper as well, so they don't have a goaltending really. And I think Aiden Hill as well is gone, and Antiranta signed with you guys. So yeah, uh, goaltending is a huge issue with, with the Coyotes right now. But I think they took a step back. That's tough. Yeah, that's tough because these they've always like sort of been in that position as a as a franchise. I feel I feel bad for them to an extent. Those yeah. fans at least. In the bubble, too, it was funny because I was cheering for them in the bubble uh, when they were playing Nashville in the qualifying round, and they ended up beating Nashville, I think, in four games to win the series 3-1. to one. And then I'm like, oh, maybe this is where Arizona turns it around. And then I saw Colorado was facing them, and I'm just like, well, at least you qualified. At least you were in because they just got absolutely demolished by the Colorado Avalanche in the uh, first round. Yeah, this is going to be a fun division. It it is so close either way. I mean, I'm trying to see like who's most improved, who's most this or that, and even just thinking about the overall like standings in this division, I could just like you could almost jumble it any way you want, really. You could. This is going to be a good division to watch. The races. And and honestly, I'd say that uh, the Central Division has been uh, one of my most popular divisions to watch. Um, it's got a lot of teams that I like watching, like Colorado, Winnipeg, and Nashville. I think those are three teams that are fun to watch. Um, and, you know, we obviously know how good Colorado is. And like I said, Winnipeg has really improved what they already were. So they are a very fun team to watch. Uh, and it's going to make it so that way this is a fun division to to see how it plays out. Um, uh, teams I, have I stuff to prove in this division too. Colorado and Winnipeg both yeah. have chips yep. on their shoulders to to brush off from last season. This could be a really big, a really big uh, division. The Blackhawks even could scare, uh, surprise us. I mean, I mean, who even, knows? I'd even be willing to kind of like flip flop Nashville and St. Louis to be in that fifth position. You know, St. Louis didn't have a bad off season. You had them sixth. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I think I had him in six, but I, I could easily see Nashville being in six and St. Louis just not able to make a playoff spot. They picked up Brandon Saad, um, Vince Dunn left, uh, but you know this team I think is still it's, it's got what it takes. I, I think if you really want to see this team improve, it's not necessarily the forward core. I, I think it's Bennington. You know, it all rests in his shoulders. Same. Uh, he he definitely has to have a bounce back season. Um, and it seems like he needs to work a little bit on his attitude as well. There are plenty of times where, uh, like the, the St. Louis incident where he got pulled and somebody must have chirped him on the bench. He turns around and says something back to them. He goes up to Eric Carlson, fake punches him. It's just like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I think he let up seven goals in that game, too. It's just like, stop embarrassing yourself and just go to the locker room. They did just end up winning. Take your skates off, man. <laughs> yeah, just give it a rest. Like, hey, you just had an off day. Everyone understands. Just don't. You're and that's it. and you know what, man? That's what really did, and that's why goalies take the longest to get into the league because that is a sign of maturity to be able yeah. to do that. First of all, and second of all, it's not an easy thing, especially you know for these guys that have spent their entire lives. Um, being surrounded by other players that they're just head and shoulders better than. I mean, Bennington growing up probably 
was, you know, skill-wise just above everybody that he knew, all his peers. So you really got to drop that that attitude uh, when it comes to the NHL because, as you can see, it's not it's not tolerated one, but as you can see, it's not it's not conducive to what your franchise is trying to do um, as far as it pertains to a championship run. And just because you won one, man, doesn't mean it's going to come easy again. And if if anything, it's going to be even harder now. And every single time you get there, the other team is just going to you know expend that much more effort to to get this guy off his game if that's one of his issues. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. In the um, in the prospect department, I'll bring up Chicago just because we both seem to have them pretty low on our list. Uh, and I think that they're these two prospects they could definitely use. So number one is a forward. Um, his name is Lucas Reichel. He's a German uh, a German hockey player. He he currently plays in the DEL league it's i don't know german that well but it's basically like a a professional hockey league there he played 38 games in that league 10 goals 17 assists for 27 points and he's rated pretty high on their uh um prospect pool i was looking at them they have a pretty good prospects prospect pool um some they they i liked how chicago's broke down their prospects they had like certain individual awards like fastest skater hardest shot most improved etc and there were a lot of guys who are already playing for them right now who played a lot of games last season so that's why i didn't mention them like kurashev Suter, um and uh, i think alex mitchell was another guy who won a lot of awards so i didn't mention them but i'll, I'll mention lucas right because i think you need the shout out there he also uh played for Germany in the World Championship this this year, where he had nine games played, two goals, four assists for six points there. Um, they finished fourth in the World Champion, so not too much to, to tote about there, but it, it's definitely a, a forward that they could probably use just for some extra help. And then the next one is a defenseman who was basically a shutdown defenseman that I thought that they needed. Um, and it was funny because he won the award for... Um, a shutdown defenseman award. So I picked him because they could really use him, a guy like him at least. Um, not now, I'm not saying he's going to get 82 games, but just see where he's at. Um, he plays for Boston University where he played 16 games, three goals, five assists for eight points. Um, again, not a lot right there, but he's a shutdown defenseman. So, you know, you're not going to really expect a lot of totals out of him. Um, and then who is this? This I don't think you mentioned his name. Lucas Vlasic. Okay. Is yeah. any relation to... Mark Edward Vlasic? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dang. Um, and then just... Just because I wanted to get a little bit more of a uh, sample size from him, I went back a season in the uh, in the BU division, or in the BU uh, stats. And with Boston University in 2019-2020, he played 34 games, zero goals, four assists. So again, you know, not a producer, but he's a, he's a shutdown defenseman that I think Chicago really needs. And if they can develop him really well, see where he's at and see where he needs to improve to bring him maybe in for a full-time slot next season, uh, I think that that would certainly help Chicago. So those are the prospects I'll, I'll pick from this division. Nice. 
Yeah. Well, they're from Chicago because I also, they're another one just similar to Detroit that I'd like to see back uh, into the playoffs again. Same here, especially with Kane and, and Taves. You know, exactly, Kane. dude. We don't know how much time we have left with those guys. And I, I don't know about you, but I'd like to see some thrilling GWGs from Patty Kane again. Uh, who wouldn't? In overtime. His, uh, his um, heartbreaker, Sally, was one of the best I think I've ever seen. Yeah, he's, we got to give him a second chance to try and top it. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. But we'll move on to, again, the division we already set up. It's one of our favorite divisions. I think it's personally my own favorite. I'd rank it Metro Central as the top two. Um, this division hoists Carolina, Columbus, New Jersey Devils, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Philadelphia Flyers, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Washington Capitals. There's a lot of rivalries in this division. You can really make a rivalry for almost every team in this division. Big time with each other. Um, so that makes it for a very, very good uh, division. Um, the top, boy, this division is going to be hard to rate. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you want me to go people, first? Let's see. Yeah, you can go first. You can go first. All right, I'll go first. I was going to say Islanders are going to win the division. I think Washington is going to fall into that second slot. And then I think it's going to be Philly. And then here's the kicker. I think it's either going to go Columbus or Carolina. Either I think Carolina is going to be on the bubble this year. Uh, so I'm going to go Islanders, Washington, Columbus. Or what would I say? Islanders, Washington, Philly. I'm going to go with Carolina. I, I got to... <laughs> You got to imagine that if it's going to be between Carolina and Columbus again, Carolina closes the door on them again. They've done it before. Uh, so I'm going to put them in the four, Columbus in the five, Rangers in the six, Devils, uh, Pittsburgh in the six, Rangers in the seven, Devils in the eight. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we agree on the number one. I think it goes to the Islanders. Dude, really? Oh, yeah. man. I thought that. I thought I was going to get that unique. Oh, man. I, Dang. Looking at this division, I, I for some reason, thought um, Tampa Bay, even though we already did the Atlantic division, but I thought Tampa Bay and uh, Florida were going to be in this, this division. So I'm thinking uh, this will be a pretty easy, you know, top four to discuss. And now when I looked at it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, it can't be Carolina. I don't think it's going to be Washington. And Pittsburgh, I don't think, wins that division. So I'm like, man, I'll be bold. I'll say the Islanders. I think I think the Islanders have a really, really good shot this year at taking this division. If Washington, if they can contain Washington in the games that they play against them, I think this division is theirs to be had, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so I'll, I'll finish it off. I'll do number one Islanders. I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to say Philly goes number two. Uh, Washington, three. Uh, and then Carolina four. Pittsburgh will finish in fifth. Sixth will be the Rangers. Seven will be the Devils, and eight will be Columbus. Columbus, they've lost so many players from just two seasons ago till now, and they they fired their head coach and John Tortorella. That's a good point. I totally forgot about all that. Yeah, he. 
I just I don't see how Columbus finishes higher than eighth in this division. Um, I don't think they're similar to Buffalo, where you know wins against them are going to be easy, but to a certain extent, they're they don't have much to fight back with any firepower. Yeah. You'd, you'd, now that you mentioned that, I think I'll slide them down to seven and just and move the them. rest of my picks up. Yeah. Pittsburgh yeah. five, New York Rangers six. Yeah, that I totally forgot about all of that, man. I wouldn't see how they even get a playoff spot or, or anywhere close. Um, but maybe you find, you know, maybe uh, Mears Leakins or, or uh, Corpus Allo have just incredible seasons. They go 82-0 and 0, or one of them goes 41-0 and 0, and the other goes 41-0. and 0. You never know. Yeah. But that, that to me would be the only reason Columbus makes it. It's just those guys stand on their head and never <laughs> stop. Uh, and never stop. <laughs> I, we haven't gone through this with other divisions that we've gone through, but I will just say that I think the Devils have had one of the most overrated off seasons. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like they, that title. They splashed, and you know they got Dougie Hamilton um, for a lot of money. They drafted uh, Luke, not Luke Hughes. No, I think they did draft Luke Hughes, who is Jack Hughes' brother. Um, Quinn Hughes still hasn't signed with Vancouver, so there's speculation that. Oh no! The Devils, the Devils might sign him. Um, I don't. I'm not buying it yet. We'll see what happens with Quinn. But, Just uh, adding to the overratedness, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hell, the Quinn trio would be amazing. Quinn Hughes, or not, not the. Uh, I'm sorry, not the Quinn. The Hughes trio. Hughes trio of Jack Quinn and Luke all playing together would be phenomenal, but I just don't see how that would improve the Devils. At least now, it's not to say that the Devils are gonna be a bad team for three years. I think that that's going to be a team that's going to make a lot of improvements uh, through the draft and through their prospects. So keep an eye out for them for sure. But I think as of right now, it's still a pretty overrated team. Um, Blackwood's going to be pretty solid and, and Bernier is going to be a pretty good backup to them. Uh, it's just all dependent on, on what their offense can do. Uh, and in this division, I mean, like we said, there's not too many I eye poppers out there that really catch your eye but though there's a chance that new jersey could finish you know maybe fifth or fourth in this division who knows um, but I, I think overall they've had one of the most overrated off seasons uh thus far i like that title and i i would agree um and not even just that but they also have i think one of the most overpaid off seasons too yeah. i mean <sighs> We don't need to mention it again because we've been hitting it so much. But, you know, you have two defensemen who are getting paid serious, serious money. I know it's only for one season you have one of them, but the other one is, uh, what, seven seven years, six years, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it, overrated and overpaid, I think, are the two labels I would give them now. We'll see if it pays off this uh, during the regular season, um, but I think at, at least in the time being, those are good good uh, takes on the on the Devils this season. Mm-hmm. For most improved, uh, I'm gonna have to say Philadelphia. The reason why I put them in second is, uh, you know, people can criticize Ristolainen and people can criticize uh, Keith Yandel. But I think those are two really good additions they made on the back end. Um, part of the reason why I think Hart had such a terrible season 
was because the defense in front of him just couldn't seem to, to keep the puck mm-hmm. away uh, from the slot, high danger chances. Um, and it just kind of left him out to dry. So adding Ristolainen and adding Yandel, I think, are huge. And, of course, if if you follow the NHL uh, culture or if you follow even Spit and Chicklets, uh, you know that Yandel and, and Kevin Hayes, those two have really close relationships. Uh, so bringing them onto the same team definitely adds a chemistry, even though neither of them are going to play on the same line. But right. I really like those additions that they made. It's certainly going to help team chemistry. And again, the back end needed the most improvement. And you can say that, well, Ristolainen and Yandel don't do it, but I think. But they've at least made an effort. They at least made an effort. They're at least trying something to cover that. And I'm also going to say, don't forget in that three-way trade um, that the Vegas Golden Knights, Nashville Predators, and Philadelphia uh, Flyers had that sent Patrick to um Vegas it sent Nick Cousins I believe to um Nashville and it sent uh Ryan Ellis to Philadelphia so Ryan Ellis we know he's been a big part of the defensive core uh in Nashville so you know you're getting a really good defenseman there overpaid sure you can say he's overpaid but again it doesn't matter Philadelphia needed it but it was a trade too you didn't make that contract you didn't you can't hold them against that exactly so I think they're the most improved. We'll see what they can do. Uh, and if Carter Hart has a bounce back season and if their defense with the additions that they've made improves, I think that that's a team that can definitely be deadly. And if you've been following along, um, I don't know how far it goes back. I think I brought it up on the last podcast, but Philadelphia is just a team that seems to be hit with some sort of voodoo where it's, they make the playoffs, they miss it, make, miss, make, miss. And obviously we know last season they missed the playoffs, so magically <laughs> this season so I'll so the laws of reality apply yeah. they will be in the, the playoffs this year i like that pick man i like that label as well i got one more uh superlative for this division cool. and it's an upside down and then a right side up question mark award and that goes to carolina for what in the heck were they doing this off season um but again nobody on that team i was thinking about it again today Nobody on that team really is is all that overpaid. Um, all the contracts are really nice right now. We still have a lot of our uh, a lot of our talent that we've drafted um, and gone out to get. So still holding on and hoping this season is a positive one. But I mean, this is like a fifty. If I'm going based off of the off season for this team, it, it's feeling like fifty fifty if they're going to be in the playoffs this year or not. So that's I the agree. last thing that I wanted to note. <laughs> I'll agree, and I'll just hit it on that. Um, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot of people say who are Carolina fans, like, "Don't worry, guys, we didn't lose too many. We still have Aho. We still have you know Svechnikov, Slavin, yada yada." And it's just like, yeah, but you you, you still lost a lot of depth. I mean. That's why the big give up, thing. Why did you give up Nedeljkovic if all you got from the NHL, to, not from the NHL, but all you got from the goaltending department was um, a sort of washed up Anderson and Antti Ranta. Uh, Antti Ranta is a good backup, don't get me wrong. I, I actually did like that addition uh, as a better backup than Reimer. But um, I'm sick and tired of playing this 1A, 1B right. thing every other season. It's so annoying as a fan. 
Right, and it looked like Nedeljkovic was going to be that bona fide starter. Right. That you guys haven't and Morazic could slot into that backup. I mean, that would have been such a good goaltending tandem. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with, to finish the Super Leagues, I'll go to the prospects. Uh, it's going to be CBJ. Um, we we both said that they're going to be pretty low in that division. I had them last, and then you moved them to last. Yeah, they're going to be looking at their prospects a lot. I talked about it that they needed scoring. Well, I found in their prospect pool two really good scorers, Russian scorers. Um, we go over the first one. His name is uh, Igor, uh, and Russian names are so hard to pronounce, but I think it's Chinakov. Chinakov. Uh, in the KHL, he had 32 games, 10 goals, 7 assists for 17 points. Um, you know, some might look at that and say that's not too high scoring, but you know, 32 games, you got 10 goals. That is not bad. I think it's pretty close to a 30-goal pace in an 82-game season. It might be like 24 goals or so. Uh, and I think that they could definitely use a guy that's just going to score. Uh, so I, I like the addition of him if they were to call him up. And then the next prospect I'll pick up, or that I'll bring up, is also a Russian uh, prospect. His name is Kirill. Marchenko or Marchenko. Yeah, Marchenko. KHL. He played in the KHL. Um, I think he was Petersburg, St. Petersburg, and Igor was um oh man, what's that team? I think it's the train, not Dynamo, um Os- Osvangard or something like that. But anyway, Mark Marchenko was uh played 41 games, 15 goals, 13 assists for 28 uh points. Uh, again, 41 goal, uh, 41 games played with 15 goals is actually, I think, a 30-goal 30, a 30 season, if I'm not mistaken, right? What, what was the number? Sorry. So in 41 games, he scored 15 goals. That's 41 games is half of uh, 82, which means... Yeah, you just double it. Yeah, so exactly. So that's 30 goals right there from that guy that they could have on their roster. Um, so that's... Those are two guys that I really like the additions of. Uh, if they were to call up any prospects, I think it should be those two guys. They need scoring badly, and you know it can't all just be on line A to score goals. You know, he, he does do that, but it can't just be him. It's got to be a couple other guys. So those two additions, I think, could really improve uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, and then we'll go into the Pacific Division. That hosts the Anaheim Ducks, the Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers, Los Angeles Kings, San Jose Sharks, the newly added Seattle Kraken, Vancouver Canucks, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so if you want to go first, I'll allow it. All right. Um, so go right, right ahead. So I'm going to go with, and I'll pause for a dramatic effect. <laughs> I'm going to go with Edmonton. Um, Vegas, then L.A., Anaheim, Seattle, Vancouver, L.A. Wow. Did I miss anyone? I don't think so. No. You got Calgary, right? Yeah. I think I put them. Wow. I'm yeah, I think Edmonton will take it. I know you are, but dude, McDavid and Dreisaitl, 
you just i mean if the regular season was the championship you'd be picking edmonton every single year you know so that's that's my train of thought behind that i think vegas is you know obviously vegas is going to be up there in the top of this division i imagine um and then after that point i really think it could go almost anybody Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah um well i'll 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 say Vegas number one. I'm gonna say, wow, Jesus is tough. Uh, Vegas number one. I'll do Edmonton number two, Calgary number three. I'm gonna say Los Angeles slips into that fourth spot. I'm gonna say they make the playoffs, um, especially if Byfield and Alex Turcotta called up and they play full 82 games. Man, that team could look deadly, especially with who they, they've added over the offseason. So I'll say they get the fourth spot. After that, I'm going to say um, San Jose Sharks, Seattle Kraken, Vancouver Canucks, and then the Ducks. So I have the Ducks last, and I have Vegas as number one to win this division. Which, now that I mention them, I, mean, I put Edmonton number two. You had them at one, so... It's kind of hard to see a team be ahead of Edmonton, like you said, even though that they had what seemed like one of the worst off seasons. You know, I don't see Calgary or Los Angeles or San Jose or even Seattle beating them out into second. So it's pretty. I don't think it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to match those the points that Edmonton is going to be able to put up during the regular season. You know. And it's like it sucks because it's like Washington was in this was was this team for like what felt like a decade and a half when it very well might might have been. But it was at least like 10 years where Washington was just this powerhouse in the regular season. And you could always count on them for being in the playoff and taking up one of those spots. But you know what else you could always count on them to completely pissing it away every single season. Um, before the second round for a very long time. So I think I think Edmonton is finding their way into that role now in the league, now that Washington has finally won one, yeah. and now that they're not so dominating anymore. I would agree with that. And I would even say that you could you could throw Colorado in there. Um, but yes. Colorado, I mean, they have high expectations, uh, especially the last two seasons, but they've fallen flat in, in both seasons. Um, and, it, and it just seems like they're getting to a point where it's just like, how much can Nathan McKinnon do for this team before it eventually goes away? Almost like a Ovechkin where you're questioning, is, are they even going to win this Stanley Cup? Has the window passed? Yeah. yeah, it's starting to get close there, I think, with Nathan McKinnon. Um, what What was so interesting about Edmonton was, yes, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are incredible players. It's just the moves that Ken Holland was making were just really odd moves. The um, the Darnell Nurse contract, I looked at that and I'm just like, I mean, it's a it's definitely a contract that's going to hurt you in the next five years or so. Uh, a lot of the guys that signed those big contracts that were defensemen are like 28, 29. Some of them are 30 years old. And it's just they sign long-term deals that could come back and bite them. Um, 
their forward depth to me is still an issue outside of McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. Um, Kyle Turris didn't really have that great of a season. Yeah. Um, it sounds like if, if he doesn't have a good season this season, that guy is not going to be playing for an NHL team. I just don't see how they could, how anybody could sign him. Um, ever since leaving Ottawa, he didn't find a home in Nashville. He struggled the most there. Uh, he was always on the trade block, but never moved. Then they bought out his contract. He goes to Edmonton and has just a meh kind of season. Um, so Ken Holland didn't really add too much forward depth in my eyes to really improve the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I mean, he picked up Warren Fogle, but again, that's a guy that's just going to be a, a your grunt worker. All, right. Almost like a Casey Sezikis or Matt Martin. You know, those guys are, are just there to they'll, they'll score for you, no doubt, but not at a pace that you need. Um, right. They're not going to hold the whole team up with points. You're right. They're gonna they're gonna be in there closing out your your close games, making it hard on on the games that you're losing, making it hard on the other team. He's gonna be the guy who's grinding things out for you and just tiring out the other team. But but as but as, to your point, as far as as far as goals go and the scoreboard goes, you're not gonna be able to really ride his coattails into the playoffs. Right. Yeah, and I, I think that that's. That's just where Edmonton kind of lacked for me in the offseason. Uh, but we'll see how they do. I, I said you're, they're going to finish second. You said first. Uh, I could see both scenarios just because of how good McDavid and Dreisaitl are. Um, and plus the other teams I don't really think pose that much of a threat to, to Edmonton. Um, Neither do I. We, we both seem to rate Seattle kind of low, which I think was, uh, was interesting. Well, I put them fifth. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I didn't have them in the playoff spot. I think I put them. <coughs> no, I, I think I put you put them, them ahead, pretty low. I, yeah, I put them ahead of the Ducks and the Canucks. So, yeah, that was seven. Or eight, yeah, six. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, I don't um, know. I like, their, I like their roster, but I don't think it's a roster that's going to break a playoff spot. Yeah, it, it, it's tough because I, you know, I really felt confident in, in 2017 or 18, and that you know Vegas wasn't really going to do anything. But yeah. lo and behold, you know they're they're still hanging around. They're still good. So we'll see what goes down with Seattle. I mean, on paper, I'm not all that. Uh, I'm not all that. Yeah, I don't really see them doing a whole lot. Especially your first season, it's an identity season. Well, I mean, really, what if we're being honest? What happened to Vegas is a is a is a fluke. It, it's not that doesn't happen to teams that just join major leagues. Forget about the NHL. Put it put that team into any other major league. It's very rare that 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 a franchise finds that level of success that early in their existence. So, I'm not thinking that Seattle's really gonna shake the waters a whole lot the only thing i mean but the thing is is they also have a lot going for them in that there's a lot of teams in this division that are just not there they're not yes. at that level with yes. with all the other divisions you know we say edmonton and vegas won two really easy but then at that point it gets hard. you got six other teams that you could slot into two different spots you yeah. know yeah i totally <clears throat> agree and i think that this this was the hardest division to look at and concisely go through and, and name them one through eight 
certainly because even in other divisions like the Atlantic Division and Metro Division, there are teams that you can easily make a top four out of, and then the rest are just kind of like, you know, brink of the playoffs or bottom of the barrel. Right. This the- one, it's like you said, there's there's two really good teams, and then outside of that, it's like a free-for-all. It's like no man's land. Exactly, yeah. It, it, it could go either way for everybody else. And so what it's going to come down to in this division is it's going to come down to the division games. Uh, I know that's that sounds obvious, but you think about it, all these teams have a lot of games to play with teams outside their divisions as well. And I foresee you know, a good group of, of this division struggling with the rest of the league, I think. And so that's why I think that it's really going to come down to the to the cross division games in this yeah in this set of teams it's you're really going to have to win the games that you know if Seattle's really going to have to play well against San Jose, LA, Calgary and Anaheim um if they want to to secure a playoff spot or if they even just want to be relevant as it leads up to the playoffs too um so that's you know that's that's what that's my take on this on this division it's it's not the strongest um, but hey, who knows? Maybe we'll be surprised. They do have a new expansion team in there. You know, all these teams have at least been making moves. I think this season, this off season. Um, I like your LA pick. I uh, I really like that. I almost put them up a little higher than I did, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens in this division as well. Yeah, just to quickly check, I had the Kings in fourth. Did you have them in fifth? Uh, I already forgot how I listed them on. I don't think I put them in, did I? I don't think you did either. I don't think That's so. I, I think I were Edmonton, Vegas. Edmonton, Vegas. No, maybe I did put LA in. Edmonton, Vegas, Calgary, LA. Yeah, Edmonton, okay. Vegas, LA, Calgary. <laughs> I think we had <laughs> Again, the same top four then. Did we really? Besides me and you just flipped Vegas and Edmonton. Oh, I'll play this podcast back and I'll confirm my first take, <laughs> whether or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that this is going to be the division uh, that's going to have probably the most um, surprises in it, to be honest. Because, like we said, yeah. the two top teams and then the rest, they could go to anybody. Uh, yeah. And with the past seasons that San Jose has had and even Anaheim, uh, you know, if they can somehow muster away into third and fourth in this division, people are going to be shocked because. Certainly in the last couple of years, those teams haven't showed much that they're there. Like you mentioned, there's six teams that really haven't showed that they're there yet. Um, but you never know that they, they could be there now and somehow make the playoffs. Um, this is an obvious pick for me. My most improved team in this division is L.A. Yeah, I mentioned oh, yeah. Obviously. Hands it's, down. Yeah. I mean, I, I've hit this hammer so many times, so. I'll leave it at that. If you want, if you have a superlative, I'll be interested to hear what you have to say. Um, I think I'll give out uh, the youngest franchise award to Seattle here. (laughs) (laughs) Good pick. I think, uh, you know what? Here's one. I think the team that has the the highest potential for a disappointment this season is going to be Vegas, actually. I almost could see Vegas maybe not making these playoffs this season after that uh, Marc-Andre Fleury debacle. Um, Look to them. They might fall off this season. Who knows? They've had a nice run of being able to make the playoffs every single year 
that they've been in the league thus far. Uh, who knows if that ends this season? I would, I, I think I'll pick them as like my, uh, not a dark horse. I guess what's the, what's the reverse? A, a paper tiger. I think uh, Vegas might end up being a paper tiger this season. Yeah. Or a uh, glass cannon. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Glass cannon. Yeah. yeah. I got there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, the Glass Cannon Award, I think, definitely goes to Vegas because I think of all the teams, they have the highest standard, but um, yep. definitely the most potential to fail. Because, again, if you're the team who's touted as being the best in the division and then they end up in fifth place, you're like, what happened? You know. So I would definitely agree that they earned the Glass Cannon Award uh, for sure. That That's a team that it's make or break for them in this division because if they don't make it people are going to look at this team and just go what's wrong with it on paper this team should yeah. be a stanley cup contender but they're not getting this is a this is a big statement season for vegas big statement season yep a lot is riding i think on this year especially now that we're back to the normal divisions and everything it's definitely a statement year for Vegas. Look for them to to either come out of the gate strong or just have an absolute miserable year. I think I, I don't really know if it's going to be any in between. When you look at it, they're kind of due for a miserable season. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah, it's a team that's had really stellar seasons. Well, Nick, they were due year one. They were due yeah. day zero for a, a miserable season, and they didn't get it. So they've just been postponing their overdue late fees. You know. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think that this might be the season to, to do that. I think you're right. Yeah. And we say that. We say all that after putting them one and two in our division predictions. So we'll, we'll see I mean, where it goes. Like we said. They I guess you need that prediction to get that award, right? You need it. But they all, like we mentioned, they have the probably the highest standard and the, the highest standard team in this whole division. You know, if, if Vegas doesn't win this division, people are going to scratch their head and go, how with teams like uh, yeah. the Ducks and the San Jose Sharks and the Kraken and the Canucks. I mean, I'm not going to say that you're going to beat up those teams, but there are teams that are definitely beatable that you, you should, should be able to handle them if you're that level caliber of a team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good um, point. I'll, I'll take this time to go into the prospect uh, pool and I'm going to mention the Ducks and the Kings. So no shocker that I picked the Kings. So I'll go with the Ducks first. Um, this division has possibly some of the best uh, uh, prospects. Um, I'll say they have the top four prospects. Uh, I, I wouldn't number them one through four, but I'll just name them now. Uh, Jamie Drysdale, Trevor Zegras, uh, Alex Turcott, and Quentin Byfield. Those have to be like the top 10. They got to be in the top 10 of, of the prospects in the whole NHL. But anyway, we'll go through Anaheim's prospects. Jamie Drysdale is a defenseman. He played in the AHL. He played 14 games, had four goals, six assists, and 10, uh, so 10 points. Um, I didn't, when I was doing this first, I didn't uh, have the mental fortitude to do more of a sample size. So I forgot to, to look at more of Jamie Drysdale's uh, stats outside of the AHL because it was a small sample size. Um, but like I said, he's been touted as being one of the most, one of the best prospects um, Anaheim has, as well as just the NHL has seen. So we'll see 
if he brings up, see what he can do in the uh, dot with the ducks. And then Trevor Zegras um, had a stellar world junior with the USA who won gold against Canada. Um, that was he had a really stellar world junior. But in the AHL with the uh, Anaheim's affiliate, he had 17 games, 10 goals, and 11 assists for 21 points. It was over a point per game in the AHL, uh, which I think is just a clear indicator that he's probably ready to to take a full-time uh, position in the NHL. He's a forward. Um, I believe he can be both a center and a winger, uh, but I think... Where would you put him online? Like, is he a bottom guy or what? Oh, no, he would be... He would be in top six. I wouldn't put him on the first line, uh, but just due to Anaheim's uh, status issue and status, maybe he's he, he probably would slot first line, but uh, you don't want to rush a prospect, so I would probably put him in either line two or line three, just see where he's at, and then if he. Enjoys- I like that. Especially at the beginning of the year, you can run yeah. them in those in the third line majority. Give them a couple second line shifts during the game. Right. Then you can slowly start bringing him into the power play. Exactly. Slowly start stepping him into number one. And by the time the season's up, you've got a fully, you know, a full fledged top six forward there if you do it right. Yeah. Um, I will. I'm just going to look up his his world junior stats real quick because uh, his world junior stats impress so many people. So I'll quickly try and see if I can find them. All right. Do you remember when that tournament was? Yeah, it was it was this year. So yeah, here it is. So I got him right here. In 2021, his World Juniors uh, with USA under 20, he had seven games played, seven goals, 11 assists for 18 points. Um, and again, he only played seven games. And a lot of people, I mean, the World Juniors definitely has its uh, its sort of weakness when you look at prospects because. Uh, some of these teams like the U.S. and Canada play teams like Latvia or uh, even Kazakhstan. <laughs> Kazakhstan was in that World Junior. So. They put out a team well. Yeah, yeah, yep. They qualified, I think. They play like qualifiers, and, and Kazakhstan made it. So Good for them. Exactly. Um, so, again, it's, it's, it's a small sample size. It's a pretty light sample size, it being the juniors, but just a stellar performance by him there. Uh, so if he can carry that into the NHL because he certainly has has carried that into uh, Anaheim. He had, like I said, he had 17 games played with 10 goals, 11 assists for 21 points. If he continues that into the NHL, he'd be looking really good. Uh, And that wraps up Anaheim. And then the next, like I said, is LA. Uh, They have some of the best prospects here in uh, Turcotte and Quentin Byfield. Alex Turcotte played 32 games for LA's affiliate, I believe, is the Ontario Reign. Six goals, 15 assists for 21 points. Uh, Quinton Byfield, uh, 32 games played, eight goals, 12 assists for 20 points. Um, I'll quickly look at both of their uh, old junior. Really good uh, um, world juniors. So Alex Turcotte in 2021 World Junior Championships played seven games, three goals, five assists. So he was just over a point per game for them. Um, you know, had, had a great uh, World Juniors. And again, if he can correlate his success with the World Juniors and the AHL to the NHL, 
the Kings couldn't really be a deadly team in that uh, Pacific Division. And then Quinton Byfield, uh, who in the 2021 World Junior Championships for Canada, and Turcotte, by the way, was the uh, United States, played for the United States. Byfield in seven games had two goals, five assists for seven points for uh, Team Canada in the World Junior. So he was a point per game player there, exactly. Uh, and again, in, in, with the Ontario Reign, 32 games played with 20 points is really, really good. And if you can correlate that into the uh, NHL with the Kings, they got two really, really good players that they can turn to, especially when they're going to lose um, Kopitar, they're going to lose Dustin Brown, they're going to lose a lot of that core from 2012 and 2014 and replace them with some really solid guys. Just in time for a 10-year anniversary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, no, exactly, and and that's the best part. You know, this is what that'd be cool. That'd be that'd be a really cool passing of the torch if that's how it went. Yeah, um, it would actually be a Canadian. It, it, unbelievable. Dustin Brown is American, so he'd be passing the torch to Turcotte. Sadly, Kopitar, I think, is uh, he's not Czech. Is he a Slovenian? Either Slovenia or Slovakian, I think. Slovenia, yeah. So he's from Slovenia. So he's not Canadian, but um, passing it off to, to Byfield wouldn't be bad. And like I said, those two guys to replace your old uh, core from those those cup years would be, like you said, a pretty incredible passing of the torch. And then my next point outside of all the divisions, all the prospects and all that, uh, now that we're back to the normal divisions, uh, I'm going to be interested to see how the Canadian teams have adjusted uh, or will adjust to now being back in, in the United States playing in a pretty dense uh, U.S. divisions. I'm, I'm pretty excited for that because, like we, as we all know, last season they weren't able to, to play against the um, United States teams. They had a separate Canadian division. Uh, and... Maybe do you think that they got too used to those divisions and, and too used to uh, the Canadian teams specifically to where they can't adapt against the uh, the U.S. teams? Because uh, they certainly struggled. You saw Montreal struggle against um, uh, Tampa Bay in the finals, and I mean they had a they had a really good uh, series against Vegas, but definitely seemed to struggle against a strong United States team in uh, Tampa. So it'll be interesting to see how the Canadian teams do there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much that's going to impact them. I mean, unless unless we find ourselves in a situation where the Canadian arenas are still like at 8% capacity uh, for games or 15% capacity, whatever it is. Right. And, you know, all of America's games are going to be at full capacity. If, if that sort of thing plays out again, I can see that being an issue. Um, but as far as the travel goes, I mean, nobody was traveling last year uh, across the divisions. Um, so I don't think that's going to be huge. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I don't really know if the Canada-USA thing is going to play all that much of a role, barring, you know, the, the first thing that I had mentioned there. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to 
like think all the logistics through though it's not to say it won't i i think one thing that's going to affect everybody this year hard is the time zone shifts yeah i think that's really going to impact everybody you know and my point was going to be to piggyback off that uh endurance and just stamina because you're not you're not the um the past two seasons were shortened you know obviously the 2019 2020 season stopped in march that's true yeah. and didn't start back up until august uh i don't know how many games they played if they stopped in march there had to have been only like 20 games left is april's when the playoffs start so give or take they probably played 60 to i 70. think I think there was like 10 to 12 games left for everyone. 10 to 13, something like that. Yeah, so that's that's roughly 70 games left for most teams. So they played a shortened season then, and then they played an even shorter season in 2020, uh, 2021. So going back to a full 82-game season with the time zone changes, like you mentioned, it's definitely going to, I think, see where what teams have the most stamina and what players have the most stamina and endurance yeah and see what teams have maybe slipped and and maybe don't have as much stamina as we thought they did or thought they had Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch i think that's going to make for an eventful season just all around then to to have to even just consider that because even to even tampa is going to have to go through that too as the champions you know yeah and actually now that i mentioned it's completely unrelated but i um I just remembered that Minnesota still hasn't signed Kirill Kaprizov yet. So I'm almost thinking like, damn, I kind of want to rate them lower in that division now, <laughs> but it's too late. Assuming, I'm assuming they're going to get that taken care of. Yeah, yeah me, I too, my me pick. too. Me too. <laughs> I'll still keep them in third, but if it doesn't happen, because we're almost there. I mean, we're almost in training camp, I think. That starts in September. And you report to your team then, and if you don't report, things get tough. I mean, look at what William Nylander did. He had a contract dispute that lasted all the way until December, uh, where he got what he wanted, but he lost two months of the season there. Right. Yeah, you have to sacrifice a lot. Yeah. But, uh, But that wraps up our season preview. Uh, like I said, training camp and preseason should be starting relatively soon for the NHL. So I'll be glad when that starts because it's just one day closer to the uh, the NHL season starting in October. Um, I, I think it's a little later. I think it starts the 12th. Usually I think it's yes. the first week. I, I think you're think right. I think it's a little later. I think it's the 12th. So it's a little delayed start, but not enough to make it. So that way you, you're not going to play a full 82 games uh, season. Um, I'll be interested to see, like I said, uh, can certain teams last 82 games? Um, you know, like, let's say Colorado. Can can Colorado have a, a stellar 82-game season, or do they, at the 50-60 mark, do they start plateauing and even dipping? And it's not mm-hmm. just to say Colorado. I was just using them as an example. But I'm sure there might be teams where they're doing really well, really well, and then they get to a point and they just start petering down because I yeah, think stamina exactly will be an issue. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, man. Colorado is a great example of that to be able to, you know, bring someone to the forefront who can fall into that issue. But 
honestly, it's going to happen. It is going to happen to everybody. And and I don't even know if it's going to happen at that 50 game mark. You know, I could even see it starting at like 30 games, 25 games. Um, you know, that'll be probably almost that, that's going to be about three months into the season at that point. Uh, and the holidays are going to be coming up. So that's that's probably the first stage I'm going to be looking to see that plateau for teams happen. Um, but another, yeah, 50 games is another one. And then just every 10 after that, it's going to be fun to watch the trends. The, uh, you know, money puck usually starts putting them all out at that point. And uh, you can really look holistically and individually at every team's point trends and, and playoff status throughout the year. Um, and anybody could succumb to it. Uh, but <laughs> Colorado is a great, just off the top of your head, prime example of of a team that you probably are watching for that to happen. Um, but it could sneak up on you and it could probably happen to any team. So any NHL fans out there, I don't think your team is uh, immune. <laughs> yeah, really. It's definitely, I think it'd be a tough season for a lot of people and a lot of players uh, because they are going back to 82 games and they haven't seen an 82 game season since 2018, 2019. So they're definitely, I think there definitely will be trends uh, where teams, like you say, even 25 games start slipping or you know, even later, like Colorado Avalanche, for example, example I gave where at 50 marks, they start slipping. You're definitely going to see that. And, um, I, I I like how you brought up Money Puck. That's a it's a great resource to have if you're not familiar with it. Basically, they're they're just a uh, there's they started as an Instagram page, but I think they have a website now, and they basically break down each and every game, every single night, uh, chances to win. Um, Andy, I think mentioned the data thing. analytics. Yeah, data analytics really playoff you know playoff hopes. Point trends, goal uh, trending, goal estimating, uh, games worth winning. You know, did you win? Did you earn this win? win? Did you, if you're a mathematician, if you're a statistician, just in general, go look at that page. Not even just for hockey's sake. You'll have a lot of fun. It's, I'm an engineer by uh, education and it's, it was one of the first, you know, NHL accounts that I started following because it has such good data, you know. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I just looked it up now. Preseason starts on September 25th for the Canadians versus Maple Leafs matchup. So they only have just over a month to wait for that. So cross your fingers. 33, 32 days, something like that. 32, yeah, I think 32. And then that, that wraps it up here. Uh, I'm glad you, you listened to this one. Like I said, this is the 13th episode. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening. And as always, peace, peace out. out. Yep. Virginia Robert.